1: Darren Pritchett.
2: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, also a live stream, is up and rolling right now at WSBTradio.com and our free WSBT radio app, which you can acquire by going to the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Broadcasting live from the University of Notre Dame, from the upper level of Lefty Smith Rink inside the Compton Family Ice Arena, where tonight we've got a fun top 20 showdown tonight. Number 13 Notre Dame taking on the closest Division I college hockey opponent. The Western Michigan Broncos from Kalamazoo. Two teams have not played in a couple of years, but they will play a home-and-home series this weekend. Game number one tonight at 7 o'clock here at the Compton. And then the scene shifts to Kalamazoo and Lawson Ice Arena tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Both games can be heard on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3. FM. Well, I know we'll be cutting off some rock and roll for some hockey, but let me tell you, at Lawson Ice Arena, it gets a little rowdy there, so I think there'll be plenty of rocking and rolling taking place when Notre Dame heads to Western Michigan. Tomorrow I'll be calling the game from my basement, but I can only imagine the verbal and nonverbal communication that the students offer our hockey team around our penalty box when they Head into it. In fact, I always have to turn the crowd mic down when I go to Lawson, so I don't have to worry about that, I guess, calling it from my basement tomorrow night. So, we've got Irish Hockey tonight at 7, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Mishawaka Cayman Football, normally on 96-1 the ton on Friday nights. No game tonight. As the postseason begins, they are idle on a bye. They'll take on South Bend Adams next Friday night at Steel Stadium in a sectional semifinal. Alright, we've got at least I do, an hour to talk Notre Dame football. Patrick Engel from Blue and Goal Illustrated is going to join me at the bottom of the hour to talk some fighting Irish football, get his perspective on this 3-3 three and three Notre Dame team that will take on 4-3 and three UNLV tomorrow at 2.30 right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game starts at 8 a.m., and it all wraps up with My producer tonight, Jim Arizeri, and Reggie Brooks breaking it all down following the contest on the official Notre Dame football postgame show. And I'm sure both are eagerly anticipating a nice, easy, quiet postgame after a home game, which has not happened to date so far this year since things have been way too interesting for Notre Dame home games so far this year. Rallying to beat Cal, of course, losing to Marshall losing to Stanford, so hopefully tomorrow will be nothing but roses in the postgame show here on WSBT Radio, and Jim, if you've got your ears on, I think you've got a pretty fun guest on your game day show tomorrow with Tim Growl, brought to us by Legacy Heating and Air, which will be on the air from 9 until 11. I guess you'll be in the presence of some Notre Dame football royalty.
3: That's right. we got uh, Mike Golick Sr. going to be stopping by. He's going to be there like pretty much all morning, from really? uh, from what I can tell from uh, from from this uh, from this email that I'm getting from Tim. Uh, so we're, it's the grand opening of the uh, the new Credit Union One location out at uh, Eddie Street Commons. Okay. And uh, so yeah, Mike Golick Jr. or uh, Mike Golick Senior. going to be out there uh, starting uh, bright and early nine a.m.
2: I think he knows how to do radio, so you should be in good shape. You probably won't have to give him any pointers.
3: It's not. Uh, it's you know, it's not a bad thing that another pro is actually going to do the show. So, you know, I mean, you got Tim there every week, but, you know, adding Mike Golick Sr. in there,
2: excellent. That's not bad. Well, that'll bad. be a fun show. I'd like to get or listen in to get his perspective on where this football team is right now. And, of course, he was a, an awfully good defender at Notre Dame and in the National Football League, but can also offer some good perspective on what in the world's going on right now with this Fighting Irish Offense, so you can check out game day. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air with Jim and Tim and Mike. At least you could have found someone whose name rhymes with you guys. That would have made it a whole lot easier, but uh, you, know. you know what? Mike Golick's going to be a fun guest tomorrow from 9 to 11. Tyler Hork and I will then take over with game day sports beat live from Notre Dame Stadium presented by Michelob Ultra from 11 until one thirty. I love these 2.30 kickoffs done with the pregame at 1 then sit back and watch some football and get ready for a little hockey saturday night at six o'clock i think i have an opportunity to dare i say share a peacock account tomorrow so i can ooh. tune into the second half fancy I, I just don't want to pay for one game you know what i mean i mean you're
3: you're <laughs> 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 it's pay it's paying for jack collinsworth and jason garrett ooh what an incentive
2: as I said, I'm really not interested in paying for one game. That's for sure. I don't even know what else is on Peacock. I've never really even investigated the type of programming that is on there, to be quite honest. I, I assume the hockey games are free. I, I don't know. Is, I think so, that, yeah. Okay. That's um, good, at
3: least. That and, you know, I'm, I'm burning through Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now, so. Okay. There, plenty of sitcoms.
2: Okay. Well, maybe someday. Maybe someday, someday they'll exactly. hook me. Maybe someday. All right, five fourteen. You know, normally I go through some in-depth conversation on the next opponent for Notre Dame and the matchup tomorrow, but Notre Dame UNLV is not going to add a lot of suspense to people Saturday. So let's just kind of brush through some topics here, and we'll try to offer some predictions. Heck, I don't know at this point. I've... I've had a lot of hit and misses this week trying to figure out this Notre Dame football team, so I'll do my best. I'll say this. UNLV's got some really good athletes, and whether they're quarterback plays probably will... Define how competitive they are in this football game. If Notre Dame doesn't beat themselves, if they play to their ability, it should be an easy victory, especially if Doug Brumfield, their quarterback, does not play. He's been out with a concussion, still listed as day to day. Their offense has been basically non existent since he left the field. So if he doesn't play and Notre Dame executes, I'll say that 27 times in a row. If they execute, then this should be a fairly easy day at Notre Dame Stadium. But the Irish have to prove to us they can play great football at home. Let's go through our advantage game for today. Let's go through some of these matchups, and we'll start. The
3: first pitch, the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of Into the wide of his first offering.
4: Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: And my pitch is trying not to be overconfident breaking down this particular matchup, but I do feel like this is a game that Notre Dame should cruise in, despite the fact, what we've seen from them, in particular, last Saturday. When UNLV runs the football, well, UNLV's run offense is at 136.6 yards per game. That is 85th in the country. Brumfield, if he's at quarterback, he is very good at running the football. He's a big guy, 6'6", but can run with the football. He's got five rushing touchdowns this year. Notre Dame's run defense right now, 56th in the country, giving up 137 yards per game. I'm going to give the advantage to Notre Dame. We'll have to see if Jason Adebiola is able to go with that rib contusion. That's a big part of the interior of the Fighting Irish defensive line, but I think they can hold up in this particular matchup and slow down that UNLV running game. So I'll give advantage. Notre Dame and the Rebels try to run the football. When UNLV throws the football again, if Brumfield plays, I give a slight advantage to Notre Dame. And if he doesn't play, it is in bowl, a Notre Dame check mark. So that's still to be determined. But right now, UNLV's pass efficiency offense is better than Notre Dame's pass efficiency offense. UNLV, 48. Now, they have not played as difficult of a schedule as Notre Dame, so you've got to factor that in. But Broomfield's been pretty good when he is lining up on the field for UNLV at quarterback. Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense is 89. I saw a stat today that kind of blew me away. We all know about Notre Dame's inability to create turnovers just two so far this year through six games. My colleague Tyler Hork at Blue and Gold Illustrated pointed out that Notre Dame is the second worst in the country at pass breakups. So whether it's linebackers in coverage or the secondary – Once the ball is in the air, they are unable to break up passes. I mean, it's below two pass breakups a game. The only team in the country with a worst pass breakup defensive number, not exactly a powerhouse in college football, Charlotte. So that number kind of surprised me. But if you think about it and you watch – Notre Dame in your head a little bit, watching them throughout the year. You don't see too many plays on the football, which obviously goes into the lack of interceptions. Tariq Bracey has the only pick this year that thrown up for grabs first play of the game in Las Vegas against BYU. I'm going to give Notre Dame the advantage when UNLV throws the football. Now let's go to the Irish offense when Notre Dame runs it. I'm going advantage Notre Dame. Irish up to 170 yards per game rushing, 52nd in the country, took a dip a little bit last week, but for the most part, they've been up since early in the season. UNLV's run defense giving up 161.4 yards per game, and they are 89th in the country. There is no excuse for Notre Dame not being able to run the football in this matchup with that offensive line, with that stable of running backs, and with the ability I believe, of Drew Pine to be successful throwing the football. It's going to put UNLV in a tough spot, and I think the Irish will get back over 200 rushing yards in this game. Numbers don't show that's going to happen, but I believe that can happen in tomorrow's ballgame. So advantage Notre Dame when they run it. When Notre Dame throws the football, I believe Drew Pine's going to have a bounce-back performance in this contest UNLV's pass-efficiency defense is better than Notre Dame's again, but again, competition level factors in. UNLV's pass-efficiency defense, basically middle of the pack, 70th in the country. Notre Dame's pass-efficiency offense dropped about 16 spots last week after Pine went 13 of 27 against Stanford. The Irish are now 60th in pass-efficiency offense. I still like Notre Dame in this particular matchup as well. I think they will have success gaining the ball down the field. And again, I expect Pine to play much better in this game against UNLV. Special teams, I'll give the advantage to the Irish and in intangibles. I'm not sure there are any at this moment. UNLV coming to play in this stadium is going to be a big boost in their emotions for Notre Dame. They're 3-3, three and three. and when you're an independent at 3-3, three and three, there's not a lot you can throw up on the dry race board to motivate the football team, especially with a non-college power in UNLV coming to Notre Dame Stadium. So it's really up to the players to dig deep and be motivated and ready to play early on in this football game. And let's be honest, slow starts is something that has hampered this Fighting Irish football team Please don't let UNLV hang around. Good first quarter. Try to take some of that extra motion out of their tank. Take control of this football game. Control the line of scrimmage, and that takes away any possible intangible advantage that UNLV may have. As we dig a little deeper into tomorrow's ball game, some of the so called bold predictions in tomorrow's game Notre Dame rushing the football. You know what? I'm going really, really bold and this might bite me in the backside. I've got Notre Dame 45 carries for 235 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, two touchdowns. I think this is going to be an offensive line and a running game ticked off. They're going to get off to a good start and roll. I've got Estime leading the way, 17 carries for 123. I've got Pine going 20 of 30 for 287 yards and three touchdowns. One of those touchdown strikes to Michael Mayer who has six catches for 83 yards. Lorenzo Styles. I've got him four for 64. UNLV running the football, I estimate. The Rebels, 16 carries, 55 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, with 35 pass attempts, completing 17 for 205, and that's really kind of blindly picking a number, not knowing who the quarterback is. But I've got the Irish coming up with two interceptions in this ball game. with the leading tackler being J.D. Bertrand with 7. I have not looked this afternoon, but Notre Dame was favored by 27 at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can take UNLV plus 27 at -105, the Irish minus 27 at -115. Total points, the over under is set at 47 and a half. My final score prediction for tomorrow. <sighs> I'm holding my breath, but I've got Notre Dame 41 UNLV 13, which means in my eyes they cover the spread by a point, and they go over 47 and a half for the ball game. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. Patrick Engel on the way in just a few moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: 528 at WSBT. Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated joins me in just a couple of moments. Right now our Twitter question of the day. Let's recap Thursday's question and pass along the results. The question appears each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday I asked with Notre Dame being 3 and 3 what are your restructured goals for this year's team I offered four possibilities The Irish just finished above 500 Number 2 make a bowl game Number 3 just beat either Clemson or USC and finally find out if This year's roster houses 2023's starting quarterback. Here are the results from yesterday's question. Coming in fourth place, and I'm shocked this was fourth, at 11.3%, find out if Notre Dame's starting quarterback for next year is currently on the roster. That's how I would have voted personally. 11.3% agreed with me. Third place in the voting, 28.3%. Notre Dame just beat either Clemson or USC. It would be fun to knock off a top 15 type team. And for the first time since I started doing these Twitter questions of the day, we had a tie for first. And they actually kind of tie in together. But 30.2% went with finish above 500. And 30.2% went with making a bowl game. Of course, if the Irish finish at 500, they would qualify for a bowl game and keep in mind if Notre Dame goes seven and five for example and the ACC bowl agreement they could take the place of an eight and four ACC team so that's something that could help the Irish ability to go to a little better bowl game so there you go a tie finish above 500 and make a bowl game that won yesterday's Twitter question of the day now to today's question our Friday special What outright spread combination will be the end result of the Notre Dame-UNLV game? We'll use, again, 27-point, Notre Dame being the favorite as our number for this conversation. So what will be the end result of Notre Dame-UNLV? Your three choices. Notre Dame wins the game outright, and Notre Dame also covers the 27. Choice number two, Notre Dame wins the game outright, but UNLV covers that. 27 points. And finally, how frisky are you about UNLV winning outright? Not one person voted for Stanford winning outright last week. There might be a couple of people just for fun might go with UNLV winning the game. But you can vote on today's Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. What outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame UNLV Again, choice one, Notre Dame wins and Notre Dame covers. Choice two, Notre Dame wins, UNLV covers. And choice number three, Do You Believe in Miracles, UNLV wins outright. Looking forward to your vote on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. 531, Darren Pritchett from the Compton Family Ice Arena where the Irish hockey team will take on Western Michigan tonight. Let's talk a little more football right now with one of our colleagues from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Patrick Engel jumps on board for a couple of minutes on this Friday before the Irish take on UNLV. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. How are you today?
5: Doing great, Darren. For uh, for those who are already over it and uh, in this rare circumstance, looking forward to basketball season. Uh, I spent the afternoon uh, where I saw you as well. Basketball Media Day. And I, I think for, for those looking to look ahead, uh, I, I think you can be justified in feeling good about where Notre Dame Basketball might go. But that's not why you brought me on here. So let's talk to Notre Dame UNLV.
2: That was actually something I was going to bring up to my first question. I was over there with you for Media Day. It's kind of fun to see a roster with so many familiar faces. And Mike Bray is old, which he loves. I mean, they're older than old. It's almost like senior citizen old this year with some young pups mixed in. So I think there's every reason to have a lot of optimism about this Irish basketball team. In fact, it's a team I'm not really worried about making the tournament. I'm kind of curious to see how good they can be this year. Is that the way you kind of look at this season?
5: I think so, just because the expectation isn't anything or in the same way it was last year, which was... Everything revolved around just get in the bracket. Hear Greg Gumbel say the words Notre Dame on Selection Sunday. Now yeah. that's not really the frame of mind anymore. Where that's They crossed that off, they tasted some wins in March, and now they're thinking even bigger than that. And even though I think the rest of the college basketball world is still a little reticent there, the expectations are still higher, where being picked six in the ACC wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is a second-weekend team, or even if they'll tell you they want to be a Final Four team, but it's higher expectations, and seemingly the the bare minimum is, like, no one's really thinking about, oh, they're going to struggle to to make it in there. So, yeah, I think it is, you know, okay to be optimistic about it, and I I looked this up uh, after opening a couple nights of uh, NBA games. Depending on what lineups the Spurs roll out there for a few games this year, maybe the Thunder uh, there's a chance that Notre Dame's top seven could be older than the San Antonio Spurs starting five in, in a particular game. It wasn't on uh, on Wednesday in their first game, but uh, that's something to monitor.
2: Mm, crazy to think about. All right, well, I put it off long enough. Let's talk about the Irish football offense because I think the basketball offense is going to roll just fine this year. But we're still looking for consistency and. I kind of feel like after the Stanford game, they've lost their identity, whatever identity they had. They had some momentum going for a couple of weeks, but to score 14 points against Stanford is unacceptable. To have 301 yards of total offense was unacceptable. You look at some of the film of the game with extra hats in the box. I don't think Notre Dame schematically took advantage of everything that they could have in the passing game against Stanford, so this was a very disappointing and frustrating performance from my standpoint Patrick what can the Irish hang their hat on now through the rest of the season do you see anything that can propel this football team to more success on the offensive side of the football
5: I think Marcus Freeman summed it up fairly well when he was talking about on Monday his frustrations from that game and just like trying to figure out what happened and where it all went wrong after three in a row. where He was really a buyer in what they did in that three-game win streak. And to see it just completely no-show in the manner that it did, especially on offense, uh, against a defense that uh, wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year we'd look up and see that Stanford is among the three worst or yeah. and maybe even higher than that, worst defenses they would have played this year. So I think it's just really finding out how to get back to doing exactly what they did against BYU, against uh, North Carolina, and even maybe a little bit in the second half against Cal there. But I don't think – I think the numbers lie a little bit in terms of just how far they were from that. Where you look at 14 points and rushing output that wasn't very good, and obviously at 14 points, like you said, just can't happen still averaged a season high in yards before contact per carry. So a pretty good sign that the offensive line wasn't like a total regression to what we would have seen the first two games of the year. And Drew Prime pressure rate under 20%. Those are numbers that are pretty in line, if not better, with what you saw in that three-game win streak. So it's not like it completely folded with no way to find it, but in the end, the output still wasn't there, and that's what we had to figure out a way to be able to do. And there were, I mean, as much as it's important for Marcus Freeman to understand that those execution things he harped on 27 times after the Stanford game, start with him. There were still some plays where it looked like a good call and a yeah. good everything except for just got to be there. That The touchdown that, uh, that would have been to Braden Lindsay, but uh, Drew Pine missed high on just as one example. I don't want to single that out and put it all on one guy's shoulders. But that's one exactly where it just one of those things, it just has to be a layup, has to be a, a play that works. And you can find a lot of those from uh, a lot of different situations in the game. But those are the things that just – you, know, you, you can't really have throughout the rest of the year and certainly can't have Saturday.
2: Yeah, and Patrick, you're right. There were two gimme passing touchdowns that were missed. Estimate fumbling kind of gets lost in the shuffle. That was a major play in the fourth quarter. And you hit on something that I think I left the game being most concerned about. It was a clean pocket at least 75% of the time for Drew Pine in that football game, yet he was under 50%, and those two touchdown pass misses, I, I felt like there was a good enough pocket there where he could step in and deliver the football accurately. So I guess that's what I leave the game almost as concerned about as anything. The offensive line held up pretty good in that ball game, but there were just. Unfortunately, maybe it was just a bad day for Drew Pine. We all have bad days in our line of work. I hope that's the case because I'm not sure the offensive line could have done a better job in protecting him.
5: No, I really think that's exactly what it was—just a a bad day at work for for Drew Pine. Because, like you said, it was not like he was, you know, had somebody breathing down his neck after every snap. This isn't, you know, Justin Fields Thursday Night Football against the Commanders (laughs) or anything. So. It's really just got to be like, you know, those are some of those throws. just have to be completions when you're quarterback in Notre Dame. And they were for two and a half games there, and they weren't against Stanford. And I guess we'll kind of see what that evens out to going forward. But I think when, that's kind of a reason to just keep going with and see exactly what you have with time. Because when you ultimately four starts is a small enough sample where you don't want to draw anything conclusive, even if you have preconceived ideas or or views on it that I don't want to say are wrong or anything, and it, who knows, might end up being proven true. But that's why you play a whole 12 games and don't just shut it down after six. But, yeah, there's a lot of those that, that Pine was hitting in the previous games and just didn't. A quick one to the Ronzo styles that was high and a little wide then maybe he still should have caught, but still. it's It was a, a throw at the line of scrimmage. It has to be more on target than it was. Uh, the, I think the first Merriweather miss in it looks a little worse just based on how his overall day was. Yeah. ultimately, they, they called a shot for him two times. He hit one of those. It's really not that bad at hit rate, even though he was open on both times and I'm making him sting a little bit more. But it's the, the one to lend you where it's unobstructed and it's only a 20-yard throw or the flow, throw in the flat, the Styles there, where it's like are the ones you got to be hitting every week.
2: Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold illustrated my guest. All right, here's a loaded question for you. I'm putting you in charge of the Irish offense and personnel for – Let's say a matchup against Syracuse, Irish are down seven, two minutes to go. you got the ball on your own 25-yard line. You have to march down the field for a game-tying touchdown. I'm going to put you in a three-wide receiver set. Which three wide receivers would you put on the field?
5: Yeah, I think it's uh, you have to at least consider Tobias Merriweather there. And it doesn't sound completely outlandish that it is it would have a couple of weeks ago, just because you've seen the last couple of games of, like, there's things he's doing to, that are clearly signs that he's gained trust in the coaching staff's eyes. Where it was BYU, he only played a few snaps and didn't wasn't targeted, but he's out there on a couple of really important third downs. So you're not putting anybody out there you think is going to mess up on, on third down. And then, obviously, now you have the 10 snaps and a couple targets there against Stanford. And I think, ultimately, you look at the... Drive that was kind of a similar situation this last week against Stanford, and it's like what was really the plan here? just felt kind of scattershot. And even if Meriwether only still has some plays that are like tagged for him as he had told us when he talked to reporters on Tuesday, those are still ones you kind of want to go to because it's you know this is a guy who can add something new to your receiver room, that's otherwise not out not out on the field. But as far as the other two, I still think rent rental styles absolutely has to be out there. And then, I think Jaden Thomas. If you if you just want some kind of like contested catch, uh, try to go you know moss a defender like we saw him do against sure. BYU. Like who could give a like a pretty let's say it's Clemson suspect Clemson secondary some some problems or really get physical with him. I think that Thomas is where you look there. But then again, you know I, I know Braden Lindsey. He's drawn some ire, and the production hasn't really been there. But he was in in a. Similar spot of let's score really quickly before Marshall, and he cooked the guy in a route. And, uh, you know, Kyler Buckner didn't hit the throw, so there's, there's that aspect of it too. He's still one of the faster guys out there, but if you made me pick, I think it would be Meriwether style, Styles, and Jim Thomas.
2: I like the sound of that. I want to touch on the defense from what they're playing well enough to win a lot of football games right now. Didn't work out last week. Two stats that really stand out. Patrick and I want to get your thoughts on this and, and what it means going forward but Notre Dame only two takeaways this year and, and Tyler your colleague at Blue and Gold Illustrate brought up a stat today that I was not aware of that Notre Dame is second worst in the country in past breakups with Charlotte the only team worse in that category. A is that a sign of or those two stats is that a sign of thinking too much and not reacting? Is this a sign that they have to simplify some things on the defensive side of the football, or am I totally off in trying to combine these two things?
5: No, I don't think you're off. and It's just kind of one of those weird things of, at least in the turnover market, they're doing some things well enough to be generating more than they should. Like the, The fumble luck has been something that you think will revert eventually. Like, every forced fumble they've yeah. gotten credit for has not been recovered. The only one that they recovered this year was the one against North Carolina that wasn't credited as a forced fumble. Drake made, just dropped the ball. And so, the more fumbles you force and they've been getting the ball out at a better rate recently, like, eventually one's going to bounce to you or it's just going to score it out of an offensive lineman's hands when he falls on the ground to recover it or something like that. So, I think they're doing the right thing there. And Last week wasn't a particularly good indicator of it, but I think the pass rush that has been better in recent weeks. The more you, times you pressure, or sack a QB, I mean, the more times you're, every sack you think of as a chance to strip the ball out. So, I think that's closer than uh, the pass breakups, and then by extension, there the, the interceptions. Where I think a couple of games that it would have been hard to really get hands on the ball a lot just with. Stanford and Marshall both going to a real quick game where they were getting the ball out in you know less than two and a half seconds on average, and the average depth of throw mm-hmm. was under five yards. So in that case, it's going to be a little harder to break it up. But there have been plays there to be made that whether it's just a guy getting turned around or just not really uh, timing his jump correctly or anything like that where you think, oh, that was a chance to get a hand on it. But, yeah, I, I think that's a thing that really has to happen where – you know, I think Notre Dame's defense has largely been, like, pretty good as far as assignment sound and, and, and effort and all that. But that's one reason why they've, you know, I think has been really struggling to get stops in the red zone and, and just being able to, you know, not only get a stop but create some plus field position or, or get the offense a short field. So, yeah, that, that, that is, a, especially the pass breakups, one something that really has to, uh, I think, turn around quick. But probably something they're going to have at least a chance to do more when you look at some of the upcoming offenses after UNLV with Syracuse, mm-hmm. uh, a, a good passing offense, it's not going to try to go dink and dunk. Clemson, absolutely not. USC, if you want to think that far ahead. But, yeah, absolutely a, a concerning stat just in the sense of this can't keep going on like that if you you know want to give your offense a chance and set them up more with the shortfields.
2: Well, Patrick, how about a little thought for our listeners? Some of the content available right now, maybe tomorrow at Blue and Gold Illustrated, com.
5: We've got all kinds of stuff up on uh, today, Friday, my usual Friday column. Uh, my colleague, Tyler Horka's uh, mailbag is up. Uh, Todd Burlidge has a, a story up on Chris Smith, a defensive tackle, who played more snaps than any Notre Dame interior offensive lineman since Jerry Tillery four years ago, uh, a guy who's really kind of been relied on now that that position is has been tested by uh, some, some injuries and has its depth, uh, kind of tested a little bit. And then tomorrow, of course, uh, we'll, we'll both be out there, and you know, you'll find our coverage, and including my column, my my thoughts, Tyler's report card, uh, deep into the the early evening and, and into the night there.
2: Very good. He is Patrick Engel. Check out his work at Blue and Gold Illustrated, BlueandGold.com. Patrick, thank you so much for your time on this Friday, and we'll see you soon. All right, Darren. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Patrick Engel, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 5.46 is our time. Darren Pritchard with you. Sports be live from the Compton Family Ice Arena. We'll talk some sports wagering and how this Notre Dame UNLV game will play out coming up in just a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Show me the money. <laughs> we go with <and> Sizzler.
2: <laughs> we go with Sizzler. 5.51 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you on Sportsbeat, live from the Compton Family Ice Arena. Sports wagering segment. I've got seven picks for you tonight after going 2-2 two two last night. 2-2 two two is 500, but in the world of sports wagering, that is normally a loss unless your two hits were profitable ones so let's see if we can finish the weekend strong i've got five college football plays and two nfl we'll start with my hammer play i think clemson puts it to syracuse tomorrow i might buy down to 13 and a half because this number is danced around i saw it at 14 and a half earlier today Clemson at home, favored by. We'll use 14.5 against Syracuse. I think it's worth buying under 14 just in case. But I think the Tigers put it to Syracuse. I think Syracuse True Colors will show tomorrow, and that Clemson front will slow down the Syracuse offense, and they'll limp into their matchup with the Fighting Irish next week with a loss to Clemson by double digits. So we'll go Clemson minus 14.5 against Syracuse. Texas. Minus six at Oklahoma State. I believe in the Longhorns, especially when you factor in the most important stat of the weekend for Texas. When a Taylor Swift album drops the week of a Texas game, they're 8-1. and I mean, what more do you need, folks? I'm here to provide you the best handicapping possible, and that's all I got. Texas minus six at Oklahoma State. From the Big Ten, I'm just going to take Wisconsin on the money line against Purdue. At minus 130, the Badgers have looked a whole lot better the last couple of weeks without Paul Crist and Jim Leonard as the interim head coach. He might have some answers for that Purdue passing attack. Wisconsin at home on the money line against the Boilers. I'm going back down that Alabama pipeline. They have really done a great job of slowing down Mike Leach's passing attack the last few years, although that thought might be tested this week with the way Alabama played Tennessee's passing game. But I'm a believer in Uncle Nick. Alabama minus 21 against Mississippi State at minus 115. And I'm going to take the home underdog in the next matchup. Washington State plus seven against Utah. Is this a spot where the Utes have a letdown on the road after beating USC? I'm hoping so. Washington State's a pretty good football team. I'll take those seven points against Utah at minus 110. My two NFL selections for the weekend... The Jets and the Broncos in Denver. Jets now up to plus one and a half against Denver. As a Bronco fan, we stink horribly. Russell Wilson may not play, which might be good news. I don't know, but you know what? I'm riding the Jets. I'll take the point at Denver at minus 110 and take my chances. And finally, Bears-Patriots Monday night. I'm going to go Bears-under. 16.5 total points against Belichick's team at minus 115. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the hour with the My 5 Question of the Day on WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Well, with a very quick my five question of the day the top five ways I think this Notre Dame UNLV game will play out I made it a little bit more prediction oriented to try to make it a little more interesting so here we go with the number five way I think this game will play out Tobias Merriweather
0: this is number five
2: you got it man Tobias Merriweather everybody's favorite wide receiver Irish fans want to see more of him I think you will tomorrow. In fact, how about this? Mark it down. Three catches and a touchdown for Merriweather against UNLV. I think as precise as he ran those two routes last week, can we maybe add a couple of more plays and allow him to perfect those? And let's see what happens tomorrow against UNLV. Four! Well, as I mentioned earlier, I hope I'm right on this. This might be a bold, bold prediction. I think the Irish run for over 200 yards for the third time in four games. Now, to be frank, I thought they would do that last week. Oof, didn't happen. I think you can pass your way into a better running game. If UNLV wants to copy Stanford, put an extra helmet down in the box, you got to burn them in the passing game to get that box a little lighter, so I think the Irish will eventually run the football effectively and run it up on UNLV.
1: Oh, okay, okay, uh, number three.
2: Well, sometimes things equal out. And as Patrick Engel mentioned a few moments ago, the luck factors really hurt the Irish on fumble recoveries. The ball just isn't bouncing their way. It will tomorrow the Notre Dame defense who has created two turnovers through six games will have at least two turnovers in tomorrow's ball game. Number two. Another way this game will play out tomorrow I think Drew Pine will have a very successful day and put last week's performance behind him. I will predict he has at least a 65% completion percentage with at least two touchdown passes. Let's go bold. I'll say he will have three touchdown passes tomorrow
1: number one
2: and finally my final score prediction (sighs) fingers crossed Notre Dame comes out and plays well I've got Notre Dame beating UNLV 41 to 13 so there you go I have a lot of optimism about this game I hope I'm right we have a nice enjoyable Saturday afternoon of football at Notre Dame Stadium Well, I'm off to my hockey world, Irish and Western Michigan coming up in about 45 minutes on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. If you're listening to us on the stream, you can go to UND.com and find the Notre Dame hockey stream. You can listen to it that way. And meanwhile, here on Sportsbeat, Jim Irizarry will take you the rest of the way up until 7 o'clock. All right, coming up, I might have a Sports Center update in just a second. 602 at WSBT, South Penn.
3: Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hour number two of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Jim in for Darren the, uh, the rest of the way. Darren uh, going to be calling hockey later on. About an hour that. Uh, that game against Western Michigan over at uh, the Compton Family Ice Arena gets underway. Of course, uh, you'll be able to hear that game on uh, our sister station, Z94.3, starting uh, about a half hour from now. So, there you go. In case, uh, you know, just a bit of culture shock is setting in. I don't know. Uh, anyway, a story that kind of fell through the cracks just a little bit Maybe. Maybe you saw this. Maybe it didn't, though. But I think it's going to become a trend over the course of the rest of the uh, the college football season. Oklahoma State starting defensive tackle. Uh, Brendan Evers he has been dealing with an unspecified injury, but uh, he said uh, yesterday that he's going to be skipping the rest of the season and begin preparing for the NFL draft. Evers posted on Twitter, thank you, Cowboy Nation, for some of the best years a kid could ask for. Sometimes God has a different plan than the one you originally thought. Evers, a sixth-year player, 26 career starts, 53 career appearances, wrote that he had consulted with his family and also Oklahoma State's coaches and medical staff. Started four of the first six games for number 11 Oklahoma State. Number 11 in the country, by the way. It's not like it's not like he was some scrub player either. Number eleven, you know, making a making a bunch of starts, making a bunch of appearances. Evers did not play uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff. He was listed as the starter for Saturday's game against uh, number twenty Texas. So it's not like it's playing time. It's more just protecting one stock. Not exactly going to fault the young man for that either. If he can get you know if he can get himself into into by somebody, hell, his family's set. And I think that's going to become more of a uh, more of a trend as the uh, college football season rolls on. We're getting ready to head into November, last you know real month of the season. It's going to be some guys taking a look at where their team is falling in the whole bowl outlook and maybe even in the playoff outlook. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of guys who, you know, going to, probably going to be sitting out the bowl game, you know, just looking at, uh, at uh, Pro Football Focus's uh, top 50. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of guys on this list who are going to be foregoing bowl games. Sure of it. Sure, a guy like you know, guys like Bryce Young. Okay, yeah, he's he's going to be playing unless he's hurt. You know, for some you know if if he's if he's healthy, he's going to be playing in any playoff game, any national championship game, all that. Regular run-of-the-mill bowl game, though? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that one bit. You know, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Ohio State's probably going to be in the playoff, though, so he's not going to have to worry about that. I would not be surprised if I saw Michael Mayer, forego, you know, and, and do it early, even too. Let's face it; it's been a, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster season for Notre Dame. That's uh, I I think putting it lightly. Uh, the Athletic put out uh, some uh, some mid season predictions as far as bowl games go. And uh, here's where they had Notre Dame. Notre Dame can fill one of the ACC's bowl spots, which becomes relevant this season with the Irish looking like a six and six team. We have the Irish facing Iowa in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. Bet the under. Whew. Man, that would uh, that would be helpful. Just betting the under on that game. Oh my God, <laughs> has Iowa scored a touchdown yet? <laughs> Touchdowns been few and far between for Iowa. It's it's been a mess in uh, in Iowa. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Michael Mayer, you know, he, he came into this season thinking yeah, solid New Year's Six bowl game. I I bet he would be playing if if it was if it was a New Year's Six bowl game. But unless Notre Dame runs the table, which includes knocking off Clemson, you know beating UNLV, beating Syracuse, beating Clemson, beating Navy, Boston College, and USC. Like unless they're gonna run the table here, they're not making a New Year's six bowl. Mayor looks like one of the safest picks in the draft, too. 38 catches uh, so far in the season, 411 yards, five scores in the year, built for the NFL. Do not be surprised and do not blame him either. If he decides, you know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl (laughs) may may not exactly be for me. I you mean, know, he's he's already the the, the career leader for uh, for receptions by a tight end in Notre Dame history. I think he's coming up on touchdowns. Hell, he's in the running for getting uh, receptions just by an overall player. Knocking that off the list, you know, putting his name on it. Does that matter though to him? Is that gonna is that gonna raise his uh, his draft stock anyway? I don't know. I don't think so. You know, Cam Smith of uh, of South Carolina, cornerback for them, redshirt junior. Yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> at some point soon. And you know, like I said, this foregoing the bowl game, you know, oh, you know, obviously that always takes place, you know, leading up to a team's bowl game. But uh you know, with Evers taking taking this uh this early foregoing of the rest of his uh the rest of his season to prepare for the draft. I think it's going to set a trend. I think you're going to see more of these guys more guys who Let's face it. Yeah, like a Michael Mayer who's not going to be in the running for a college football playoff spot with Notre Dame anytime soon. Or even probably a New Year's Six bowl. Could he start looking that way? I don't know. And I don't know anything. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not foreshadowing anything. I'm As far as confidential sources go,
0: (laughs) I got no sources.
3: I'm literally just saying words right now just to fill time. But don't be surprised if he does. And don't be upset at him either. He's been a great player for Notre Dame. He'll be a great player for whoever drafts him in the NFL. Don't be surprised if he, you know, after say <laughs> the Navy game, you know, if Notre Dame is on the road to being six and six, hmm, I mean, don't, don't be, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll look to the future of fighting Irish football. Go ahead and uh, replay uh, Darren's segment with uh, with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated at blueandgold.com, Their uh, their weekly talk about Notre Dame football recruiting and uh, everything that falls under that umbrella. That is coming up. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, sports radio nine sixty WSBT.
2: a weekly conversation on Notre Dame football recruiting with the expert at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Mike Singer. Mike, good to see you. How are you today?
4: I'm doing great, Darren. Glad to be on the show.
2: I enjoyed your conversation with Mike Goolsby the other night. For our radio listeners that don't know, Mike Goolsby, the former Irish linebacker, you and Mike get into some spirited conversations following Notre Dame football games, and I guess you had plenty to talk about after the Stanford game.
4: Yeah, no kidding. So it's <laughs> a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, so every Sunday nights, typically 7 p.m. Eastern time, Goolsby and I will be live on our YouTube channel. And I mean, we get so much good positive feedback from folks. I mean, it's it's called the Mike Goolsby Show, so uh, when you know people tend to agree with Goolsby on things more than me. Um, but hey, I I take it to Goolsby sometimes. I don't you know. For just some journalists i don't uh get too afraid of uh differing on him but uh it's it's really good discussion um you know think talk show plus you know analysis plus just good fun banter um great stuff
2: i give you a lot of credit dealing with two illinois guys every week on these youtube videos you probably deserve a bonus for that Telling you, we're hard to handle. Let's talk recruiting, because you know what, Mike? With a 3-3 and Irish football team, there's no conference title to look forward to. We're just kind of looking ahead maybe to a bowl game. People want to know about the future of this Notre Dame football team, and there are holes to fill on this current roster. So there's really nothing better to do right now than talk to Irish fans about some guys are going to be possibly wearing that Notre Dame helmet in the future and hopefully a part of the turnaround again of this Notre Dame football team. I want to start with wide receiver recruiting. There's always a debate about the current wide receivers on the roster. And, hey, Tobias Merriweather, a couple of routes looked pretty doggone good, didn't he, including that touchdown catch? Should have had two.
4: Yeah, he was really good. Um, I was kind of in the camp of uh, trust the coaches on why they haven't played him yet. I'm not in that camp anymore.
2: You <laughs> watched the replays oh, really on NBC good. and the breaking down of the plays. He was highly efficient and textbook running those routes, which makes you stop and think, man, oh, man, what is going on in practice where they aren't seeing that or something? But it was good to see Tobias make an impact in that game. But 24, wide receiver recruiting. On three have their rankings, of course, and Cam Williams made a big jump in the rankings. Why don't you give us some insight on Cam Williams and talk about the jump he made in the rankings?
4: Yeah, so in rankings, Darren, here's the thing. There were always, there's always going to be bumps for your commits, and there's going to be drops. And then anything in between is typically a small Line. because if you're not actively moving up in these rankings you're, you're just naturally moving down because of the people who are moving up if that makes sense yes so cj carter range quarterback commit um took a bit of a tumble um but let's focus, focus on the positives because i know folks just focus on the negative so we're just gonna in this discussion about 2024 receiver recruiting we're gonna focus on uh, you know kane williams bump here he went from outside the top 100 nationally to the number 21 overall player per on three's own rankings and the number five receiver. So I want to clarify and articles of blue and gold and our YouTube um, videos we do, we use the, we talk about the on three consensus, which equally weighs all four media outlets, rivals on three ESPN and 24 seven. So on threes rankings only are a quarter of that consensus in terms of um, how much it's weighed, but on three did update its ranking. So that's what we're talking about in this video. So, Again, number 21 overall player, number five wide receiver, and I'm told this bump was due to not only his big time junior production um, at Glenbard South in Glen Ellyn, Illinois, it's um, his testing numbers over the summer um, in terms of his length, his speed, his, and then you see those two things combined with his physicality on Friday nights and production. Cam Williams has has just been fantastic, Um, and look he's a near five-star prospect at this point on three only has three five-star players in the 2024 class um and as time goes on more players will be added um cam williams is one of those early on and darren i'm just going to run through three more 2024 wide receiver targets just kind of give the latest on those recruitments it was really a st louis invasion (laughs) at notre dame over the weekend you had uh, the running back, Jeremiah Love, who I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this show, the 2023 back, who did commit to Notre Dame on Saturday. Um, he was on campus. His teammate, Jeremiah McClellan, um, is a four-star wide receiver in the 24 class who I am a- extremely high on. Uh, I-, I think that um, you know, he's uh, a cross between like a Lorenzo Styles, and Avery Davis in, in terms of his gameplay, but I think he has a higher ceiling. Than than those guys, uh, I I think McClellan is just you know um, you know the sky's really the limit for him. So he was on campus. I talked to him. You can find that article gold dot com. Probably later this week, um, but uh, yeah, he's he a guy to keep an eye on. He had a great time at Notre Dame. Love committing has an impact on him. He's close friends with Ryan Wingo, um, Saint Louis University High, twenty twenty four receiver number. 14 overall player, number five receiver per the on three consensus in 2024 class. So McClellan told me that look, love's a big deal to him committing, get Ryan Wingo, him and McClellan are tight. So this is a, it's a big deal. Like Notre Dame and the St. Louis pipeline is looking really good. So Wingo, this was his third time on campus since June. Um, so I like Notre Dame to land Wingo and I've had a prediction in um, since the summer for him to land with the Irish and, um somewhat confident in that prediction you know it's no guarantee but do believe that Notre Dame's the leader and lastly I was in the state of Florida this past Friday and got to uh, got to take a look at Tampa Carol day wide receiver Bridell Richardson um got three passes around 40 yards or so a couple of short um short receptions then a a little post down the field where he caught a touchdown his team really blew out the opposition, so you did get to see a ton of Richardson, but talked to him after the game and asked him about recruiting and obviously and the main schools involved and he mentioned Notre dame, you know first that's the first school that came out of well that's typically a good sign, so he's a top hundred player on uh, number ninety nine overall prospect and number eighteen receiver so Notre Dame has, a, to tie this all together, Darren, Notre Dame has a really good recruiting class in 2023 at wide receiver Jane Greyhouse, Rico Flores, um, uh, Jane Greathouse, Rico Flores, Braylon James, and then maybe they get Tayshawn Lyons from California. They can follow that up with a darn good receiver class in 24. you got Cam Williams um, already committed, and then can they lock up a couple of those guys we just talked about, Darren? But Overall, it's looking good early on.
2: Blue and Gold's Mike Singer talking Notre Dame football recruiting on WSBT radio. You mentioned Jeremiah Love, the running back. You've praised him for a good amount of time, including on last week's segment with me. So I guess it shouldn't be much of a surprise that Love has found his brand new home with the Fighting Irish. Um, it depends.
4: Okay. See, that's an interesting. Well, that's an interesting question. Like, if you're going to tell me, Mike, were you surprised he committed Saturday? No, no, I wasn't, because I knew he was committing on Saturday. This is just how these things go. Um, and I, I've liked Notre Dame to land him since August. But when you take a step back and you look at, he had offers from Alabama and Georgia, and Texas A&M. Yes, Texas A&M, the school that seems to be getting <laughs> just about anyone they want these days, because well, the, the, the and whole NIL factor with the Aggies. But for Notre Dame to beat A&M head-to-head in this one, and that that was really its final twos, Notre Dame and A&M. That's an impressive recruiting win. Um, So I think in that sense, it was a little surprising. um, But look, love when I would asked him about why he committed to Notre Dame and he tells me, look, I love both schools. My family love both schools, but I just think at the end of the day, Notre Dame's academics is going to help me more in the long run. Um, So even if, I'm speculating here, even if A&M had a nice little NIL thing, which they're not supposed to, but, you know, just semantics aside there, um, even if it was maybe more up front, you know, he kind of saw the long picture with Notre Dame, the four for 40. So, again, a very impressive recruiting one for the Irish.
2: Let's move along to Ohio State offering one of the top Notre Dame defensive recruits. So give us some insight on who the player was and how serious of a move are the Buckeyes making on this Irish commitment?
4: Yeah, so the Buckeyes offered, I want to say it was Sunday, a Don Shuler, Irvington, New Jersey, um, class of 2023 safety, a four-star prospect. Look, this isn't anything new. Um, It's in terms of other schools recruiting. I think he's picked up offers from Alabama, Georgia, a and mean, So many schools have offered a Don Shuler. But he hasn't really seem to be very interested in any of those programs i know over the maybe it was over the summer or back in the spring actually he took some trips with his high school team like a little bus tour but otherwise he's been very solid with notre dame despite these um, offers from other schools again he committed to the irish um, august of 2021 so he's been committed for over a year at this point and other schools have offered since that pledge but the Ohio State one does feel a little different like okay hmm. Ohio State is one that means a lot to him but they're offering two months before national signing day it, it to me it feels like a little too little too late maybe Schuler is very affected by Notre Dame starting the season three and three and maybe that's gonna deter him from wanting to stick to the Irish I don't know but I I like Notre Dame for sure. Maybe not for sure um, because it's recruiting. You never know. But from what I'm told, Notre Dame uh, sources still feel confident that'll stick with the Irish. Um, But again, we'll we'll have to see there.
2: Just a moment ago, we talked about Love committing during the Stanford weekend. Uh, Putting aside Love's commitment, was there many other big storylines to come out of the recruiting weekend during the Notre Dame-Stanford game?
4: Yeah, Darren, it, recruiting's really been heating up. And I have said this before on your show. I just I feel like there was a period there in August, uh, ju- you know, after the July commitments, just like kind of slow. We're doing these shows on Tuesdays. i like, man, what are we going to talk about? It's heating up now. So a couple more items to talk about. We, were, we discussed some of the 2024 receivers who were on campus. Two more very notable players who I wanted to talk about. Um, Chris Tarek from uh, Glen Ellyn, Illinois, Glen Bart West. He, Tarek actually told me he's, he's close friends with Kane Williams, Notre Dame commit in 2024 because they're from the same area and grew up playing, you know, peewee ball together. But um, Tarek is a class of 2023 Wisconsin commit um, pledged to the Badgers at the end of June. Well, Notre Dame lost the commitment from Elijah Page on the offensive line. They want to take a player to replace him who would be a fifth offensive lineman. And this one just makes sense. He's a Chicagoland kid, and Wisconsin doesn't have a head coach. You would think there's a pretty decent chance that they could get him, Um, and and they had him on campus over the weekend for an unofficial. Um, He got in actually a little bit late. Um, He had a game on Saturday afternoon. After that finished, you know, got over to to South Bend, so I think he missed the first quarter, but then he got to spend – you know, all day Sunday at Notre Dame and, and by all accounts had a really good time and clicked with Harry an Irish offensive line coach. But even all these things said, the, the young man loves Wisconsin and and, 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 kudos to him for, for committing to a school and, you know, being like, man, even though Notre Dame's coming in here and, and Wisconsin does, I like, have a, co- have a head coach. I, you know, I'm still sticking with the Badgers, but that's for now. I don't know if, you know, come national signing day, if that'll still be the case. Personally, my gut feeling says that Notre Dame's got a really good shot to pull off this flip, um, but still a lot more work to do. And then Notre Dame had three official visitors on campus over the weekend, a couple of commits, safety Ben Minnick from Ohio, and then the speedster um, running back slash offensive athlete Dylan Edwards from Derby, Kansas. Those two guys committed to Notre Dame on campus, and then you had Brandon Hillman from Portsmouth, Virginia, Churchland High School, 6'1", 190-pound athlete, three-star prospect. Uh, Irish are recruiting him as just an athlete who can play in many different positions. He was on campus with his mom and high school head coach. Article has already been posted with Hillman's thoughts on it at com. I like the Irish to win the recruitment, Darren, but still more work to be done. Oklahoma offered on Monday. I'm hearing maybe he gets to Kentucky for an official sometime this fall, um, so some things to keep an eye on, but uh, you know, even though Notre Dame is three and three, and it just seems like every week I'm writing about some Notre Dame commit who's being pursued by other schools, I think the Irish are going to finish this recruiting class pretty strong.
2: This is probably the moment where we remind fans it's not always about the record when it comes to these kids, it is building relationships with the coaching staff. And even though the record isn't where anybody wants it to be right now. I think a lot of these kids believe in their talents and they believe they can be a part of the change of the football team to get them back on track. So I don't think anybody should panic at this point because I see online, oh my gosh, the Irish are going to lose 10 commitments, 12 commitments. I think we probably should pump the brakes on that right now.
4: Darren, you know the phrase, you know, someone's such a good salesman, they could sell ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what you need to be as a recruiter. It, let's say Notre Dame's five and one, six and zero at this point. It's hey, come be a part of this great football program, right? You know, like hey, look what we're doing on the field. We're so great. Look at you know, uh, the, this running back or this receiver, whatever the position they're recruiting at. Like, look at these guys. This is what you're going to do, right? Or Notre Dame's three and three, and it's man, we lost against Stanford. This sucks. But uh, do you see our receivers, or do you, you know do you see our quarterbacks or or as you see our linebackers like we need you and you can come play right away for this you know, this historic brandon university and so you've just got to be able to sell it um that's not to say you'd rather be losing no. obviously the momentum of winning is going to help you more on the recruiting trail um and you can't go be one and five or you know obviously but Three and three, it, it, you know, it's not having a major impact on recruiting. You know, when you when you talk to these kids, the result of the games, of a part of a season they're not even on the team for, it, it, it doesn't make a big impact.
2: 2023 wide receiver Khalil Barnes picked up an offer from the Fighting Irish.
4: Intrigued, and I'm intrigued. This is an interesting one. Didn't see it coming. He's listed as a corner who's committed to Wake Forest. He can play corner or receiver at the next level. The Irish offered him last Thursday. Darren, this is, Notre Dame's offered players recently where it's like, well, you know, they, you, you don't see it coming because you feel like Notre Dame's in a good position with some of these positions they're at, um, they're, you know, they're recruiting at, but still offered. You know, and, and I really think it's a matter of, avoiding situations like last year with Amarion Walker and CJ Williams. It's, you know, you had three receiver commits and then you're down to one at the blink of an eye before national signing day and you have no one to recruit. <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's kind of a factor of that. Um, so like I mentioned earlier in our show, Notre Dame is, um, I, I believe, in the the pole position for Tayshon Lance from Northern California. If they land him, it would probably be the last receiver that they take in this cycle um, but if not, you have, you're have you already recruiting a really good player in Cleo Barnes from the, uh, I believe that's Athens, Georgia area, Bogart, Georgia. Um, so, yeah, don't know a whole lot about him as a player, but in terms of his recruitment, again, Wake Forest decommits, um, and Clemson's recruiting him and, and seems to be the leader for him right now.
2: All right, so as you can see, recruiting is firing back up a little bit because we did have no issues coming up with topics this week. For a couple of weeks, it was scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I think we probably could have had three or four more questions at least to ask this week because if you go to blueandgold.com and check out all of Mike's writings, you can see that there is plenty to talk about right now. And for those people that are watching this but are not, are not subscribing to Blue and Gold Illustrated, maybe give them an idea what they're missing right now.
4: I mean, it's, if you like these videos and, and, and my show on, uh, you know, with, with it's that's just once a week, right? I mean, we, we just get to do this on Tuesdays. By the way, the written content is seven days a week. Um, so, you know, whether it's the, the premium articles, keeping up, you up to date with all of the news, as well as communicating with me on our loose emoji message board at BlueAndGold.com. Hey, Mike, question about this young man. Where do you think stand? What's the latest? I'm, I'm on this board all damn long, all day damn long, however you say that phrase. So, yeah, just, just chop it up with me and, and, and talk with me. Maybe I can uh, speak coherently or type coherently, I should say, because I clearly can't on uh, Darren's radio show. But uh, we'd love to have you guys. It's, it's $10, and that gets you access through August 31st. So 10 bucks through the start of next football season. Fantastic deal. Head over to com and check it out.
2: Very good. Mike, always a pleasure to speak with you about Notre Dame football recruiting. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next Tuesday.
4: Sounds fantastic, Darren. Thank
2: you, sir. Thank you. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. More sports beat coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports beat
3: powered by Budweiser, the king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Also by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience and by the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. And there we go. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we've got uh, all your Notre Dame uh, pregame coverage starting at 8 a.m. We've got uh, the repeat of the Marcus Freeman show from last night. If you missed it, missed what what Coach Freeman had to say, there you go. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Then... After that, we've got Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with uh, Tim Growl and myself. Uh, Mike Golick Jr. going to be stopping by, like pretty much the like the whole two hours that we're at a, a different spot. By the way, uh, Credit Union One Grand Opening tomorrow, kind of the south end of uh, of Eddy Street Commons, uh, south end of that, you know, over by uh, over by Trader Joe's. Uh, join us. for... For that, we're going to be there from 9 to 11, broadcasting live. Like I said, Mike Golick Jr. is going to be there. Lee Becton going to be uh, dropping by as well. And uh, plenty other uh, guests stopping by for that grand opening of Credit Union 1 in Eddy Street Commons. Then, Darren and Tyler have uh, Game Day Sports Sportsbeat powered by Michelob Ultra. And then we've got Notre Dame Radio Network. At uh at one thirty the pregame show takes us to two thirty the game with Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris doing what they do. Uh that is uh that is at two thirty. And then immediately following the game, once everything goes what, probably double zero, if I look at the Notre Dame clock correctly. Yeah, probably double zero. Uh Reggie Brooks and myself will be on the Notre Dame the official Notre Dame football post game show presented by St. Joseph Health System. So, oh, a busy day. My a lot of people, you know, like wind down on the weekends. No, mine just kind of my week actually kind of kicks up on the weekends. So, my 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 Tuesdays and Wednesdays, by the way, I got nothing. So, uh, you know, if you if you if you need something done, you Need, need the lawn mode or something more than likely available let's do some picks <laughs>
0: <DJ-o>.
3: <laughs> real quick uh, Falcons at Bengals I like the Bengals minus six Falcons are uh, six and oh against spread this season only one of the uh, Bengals three wins have been convincing so uh, take the uh, Falcons to beat the spread there actually I guess Falcons plus six so there you go Misreading things already. Jets at Broncos. Uh, Jets defense, the real deal. Take the Jets in this one. Uh, That is uh, Jets plus one. Chiefs at the Niners, probably one of the better games of the day. Niners still have injury issues on defense. And the Chiefs offense is the Chiefs offense. Take the Chiefs. Plus two and a half there. Or minus two and a half, I'm sorry. Yeah, minus two and a half for the Chiefs. One of these days, I'm going to figure out what the heck I'm saying. Uh, Steelers at the Dolphins. That's a Sunday night game. Dolphins favored by seven. Two is back. He's going to want to make a statement. And uh, the Steelers are just crappy enough to be the team to do it against. So take the fins there. And then uh, also uh, Detroit at Dallas. Bound to be some rust coming off of Dak Prescott. That said, Cowboys going to win. Lions going to keep it closer than the seven-point spread. I like the Lions plus seven. All right? So those are the five NFL games that I figured, you know what? Those are probably the best games of the weekend.
0: Can't probably fight me on that anyway.